Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Today we have a conversation with a friend, Ed Rosa. That's me. Hi. My filmmaking partner and I have a YouTube channel, Toothless Richard Productions, where you can see a number of our short films. A blockbuster is a film that makes disgusting amounts of money. <laughs> uh, they, they tend to be movies that sort of invade the popular consciousness in a way that's difficult to avoid. I tell people that a blockbuster is a $100 million gross box office receipts in a single territory. Sound of Freedom is about a red-blooded, God-fearing American patriot who loves the sound of freedom so much that he is willing to abandon any and all quality time with his own children so he can travel to other countries and rescue somebody else's. As a fellow red-blooded patriot, (laughs) (laughs) it's hard for me to not be convinced of how correct this story's basic point is because I think all children should be protected from the right. ills of any predatory Like wh- wh- Whether you like this movie or not, like who honestly is we like pro-sex yeah. trafficking of minors? Nobody. Yeah. So as the movie begins, and you, as you accurately point out, our lead character is Tim Ballard, and that's the resurrected Jesus of Nazareth, Jim mm-hmm. Caviezel from Passion of the Christ. As we get to know him, get to see his wife, his two-headed children. We realize the career in law enforcement that he is going to give up. His pension is just around the corner. But all of that, as you say, he just sets aside because he wants to make sure these children are saved. Yeah, It's not produced by a major studio. It's not distributed by a major studio. It wasn't marketed by a major studio. And that meant it was more grassroots. It's not that it opened in a low theater count. It was comparable to The Mule, which mm-hmm. we talked about in our last conversation. My point... This movie did not come heralded by superhero comic book tales. It didn't come heralded by the IP of Disney or some similar class of corporation. It come heralded by the real-life story, torn from the headlines of his lived experience, of Tim Ballard, who indeed was once in law enforcement, did once get on the bandwagon of Let's Protect the Children, did once testify before Congress and say sex trafficking is bad. And again, who would disagree with that? Yeah. And he also established a... a company, Operation Underground Railroad, our, to actually send American resources and Americans abroad to short-circuit sex trafficking rings and save children. What gives this movie life are a brother and sister pair. Early in the adventures, our hero Tim discovers the boy and brings him safely home to his father, only to discover that he's got an older sister. That is what marks basically the 90-minute real arc of the story. Running down the sex traffickers who have this little boy's sister. The little boy's name is Miguel. The sister's name is Rocio. And he wants, Tim, wants to return these children to their father, who appears to be a loving single dad, who was duped by a talent agent saying, your children are beautiful and will do well as models. He drops them off for some photography Mm -hmm. and to establish their headshots, and they disappear. So then Tim and his gang of, uh, of various hangers-on discover how to roll up this ring, and they do. 
I've seen a lot of Law and Order SVU over the years, <laughs> and this movie plays as a feature version of a lesser episode in that series, basically focused on the same thing. The procedural nightmare of rolling up predatory adults and preserving the innocence of children. And this movie doesn't really take you inside of those encounters. It hints at them. And then when you can see, ooh, those sweaty men are about to do something to that sweet child, we leave the scene before anybody is disrobed or anything that could actually, anything that could hurt your feelings. Right. But that's TV. It's also in widescreen. It's a really big rectangle shape. And generally speaking, the bigger your screen, the wider it is, the more long shots you get, the farther away from your subjects you go, you can get more extras, mm -hmm. therefore production value. And the movie employs some of that. However, a lot of it is contemplatively focused on our lead character, Tim, his various uh, helpers, the various victims that we're meant to care for. But in the end, it's slow. If I took this thing into premiere, it would be much shorter because I would trim off a lot of just kind of the stuff that's just there for some purpose that I can't determine. I don't know if Jim Caviezel can act well or not. I dislike that in any movie that I see because I demand that these characters be fresh in some way and give me a sponge of real personality that mm. I can get in bed with, so to speak. But when it's such a banal thing to protect the babies, of course, so what? And that doesn't give me a whole movie's interest in this guy. The only thing I, I got about this guy is that he's probably Catholic. And, and I think the actual Tim Ballard, he might be... LDS. Okay, I was I, well. I thought I, I thought that too. Yeah. but I didn't. I didn't see any other wives. Right. <laughs> I, and I barely saw his one I, wife, I, 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 right. Mira Sorvino, who's got second billing. And she's in Academy it for like, Award winning. She's a powerful actress, and she's in it for like thirty seconds. And she nibbles a couple of lines and got, and got a paycheck. But the funding company and the distributor of this, I think it's called Angel Studio. The distributor, Angel Studios is partly kind of a Kickstarter crowdfunding resource for doing Christian-oriented television and movies. That's another thing. Uh, like, There wasn't a super heavy-handed religious message in right. this other than a couple right. of lines, but I'm like, these production values, this acting, this writing, all of this is on par with like God's Not Dead. I want to take a sidebar, because there's an important secondary character, a guy named Vampiro, Vampire, played by Bill Camp. <laughs> who's a recognizable uh, sort of second-tier supporting actor. And this fixer used to work for the Medellin cartel, mm -hmm. was in prison. His, his sentence was up, and he was released into civilian life. And for some reason, wasn't murdered on sight by the cartel who once employed him. Well, because he kept his mouth shut. Oh, okay. That, okay. Right. He did he, his time. He was able just to be in prison, and then he was released, and they kind of leave him alone to, to basically run flop houses, drug dens, bars. And, and it seems like he's also a brothel owner. But mm -hmm. that's a cover. Because, in fact, he wants to make sure these children aren't trafficked either. Now, mm -hmm. going deeper on this guy, Vampiro, his coming-to-God moment was after he left prison, he was awarded free sex from the workers on the payroll of the Medellin cartel. And he thought, okay, this is my just rewards for getting out of prison and saving the word and not giving away secrets. And he sees this woman who he presumes to be in her early 20s, takes her to bed, wakes up the next day and sees that she's clearly not in her 20s, but is, okay, she says she's 18, all right, but then realizes, no, she's younger, and then eventually discovers that she was 14. Mm -hmm. So as a point of view character goes, <laughs> he, yeah. he's a child rapist. Well, yeah, well... And, and, and him being a child rapist is what caused him to realize, that's bad, and I need to turn my cards and actually become a child protector. Well, yeah, his story, he's like, you know, he comes out of the bar, you know, all jacked up on coca... <laughs> You know, he sees the girl, twenty twenty-five. It isn't the fact that, you know, here I am, 
abusing drugs and alcohol and having sex with prostitutes. It's just the fact that one of them was too young. It's a big time out. You are are confessing that you are a child rapist to a man who's running down child rapist and child rapist rings. And that guy was like, okay, cool. We'll work together. You know, that is one thing that I thought was really odd about this movie. Like... Did you save that girl? Did you apologize? Did you give her counseling? Did you tithe to her family? Did you re-offer yourself to the authorities for being a child rapist? That's a problem. Another problem is that we have this, this man of God, Tim Ballard, who's trained in weapons. He's a law enforcement official. But at some point, to roll up this cartel and to save this girl, Rocio, he's going to just Rambo himself through, a, through a, <laughs> a, like a forest, and he'll, he'll take people apart. There's a moment when he finds Rocio towards the end of the movie and wants to preserve her and realizes he's got to spring her loose from the kingpin of this jungle mm-hmm. operation who's got her in sexual bondage. He's going to have to murder the guy. So he says, close your eyes. Just close them. <laughs> but he's bilingual. He speaks it in Spanish, so mm-hmm. that's nice. And she closes her eyes. And then we get this odd kind of expressionistic moment where she every now and then hears something and opens her eyes, and then we see what's happening. But she remembers to close her eyes because it's violence mm-hmm. that we see happening. But the fact that it's dressed up with such formal means, see and unsee, see and unsee. And the movie itself is centered on violations of children. And we get led up to the, the violations of children. And what, what I know, because I've been around movie sets, well, nothing happened. Right, right. <laughs> and the parents of that child were probably sitting right next to the camera to make sure she had something to, to feel comfortable. And these men you know, were, were playing. Everybody knew all of that. I see through the artifice. And so it's the whole of it. it wants to be really provocative. But then it screws it up by giving us Vampiro. And then it wants to be really violent. And when we finally get to the violence, we want the child to close her eyes so we don't really see it. But the whole movie's begging for heroic bloodshed. Right. That never gets delivered. And that's the narrative this movie is really trying to do. It's trying to be a Rambo movie. It's trying to be Colombiana. It's trying to be the equalizer. Mm-hmm. It's really that. Mm-hmm. And let's get a bunch of dudes who are willing to really lean in hard to the sort of oily Latino stereotype, including the kingpin in the jungle's name is Scorpion. Yeah. With nasty tattoos. He's violent uh, to his men. Let's not forget Carne. (laughs) Let's not forget about him now. Right. 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 Let's just hit all that right on its nose, and we'll safely place it in the hands of this blonde, clearly great guy who speaks both languages, Mm -hmm. is able to navigate these environments, and convince, because of his previous relationships, these drug overlords and these sex trafficking overlords that he's an actual businessman who wants to set up a pederast's paradise. It looks like a survivor Epstein Island. (laughs) I think the people who felt hailed to come to the theater and watch this are people who don't normally go. Right, because of because of all the moral bankruptcy that you know Hollywood is in 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 their eyes trying to foist on our. On I think it's exactly right. So when they see something comes out from a distributor who they've learned to trust, they think, "Oh, this is hard." Another loose end that I I found troublesome: the little boy, Miguel, who Tim is able to return to his father. There's no sense that, sir. Your child has been, well, he's, he's been raped by men for the last three to six months. Maybe he needs to have some therapy. 
Yeah. Maybe he's going to need medical assistance because he's, you know, their reunion happens, is affected in a hallway and they immediately go to a hospital for a checkup. Yeah, I was, so the nurse basically tells Jesus (laughs) that, like, this kid has been the recipient of terrible things. Of terrible things. And I'm thinking, and, and, and they're not described, but we can into it. And then yeah. there's, a, and then the, well, the, no, the, she talks about the laceration. Oh, right, right. She does say that, yeah. right? She which is, that which word. is arguably like more graphic somehow in yeah. a way than like you know putting it in some sort of you know schoolyard parlance, right? And then like we, we get a shot of this 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 poor sweet child, and he's playing with his little car, yeah. And like I'm thinking to myself. Dude, this kid is going to be scarred for life. Yeah, like this is this, this child is, is messed like, up. Like okay, like. I there's guess the movie's not really about like it's that. It's not but, about but, rehabilitation, but, but that's critical because these are these are young people, and then his what nine or ten year old sister who becomes the the old lady girlfriend to this paramilitary kingpin in the jungle. Yeah, who presumably plucked her after she was seasoned, let's say. Right, and then she's finally returned. In the end of the movie, Rocio is returned to her father mm-hmm. and her brother. Tearful reunion, great. She's going to be even more messed up. No, that's what I like. The, the movie, so the, the movie has like this circular thing where it like it like ends with like the reverse shot of like the one it opens with, mm-hmm. where like at the beginning, you know, we, we sort of we, we track into an apartment in, building, right, right. and then we track. You know, at the end of the film, she's got a drum and she's singing a song again. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, she's not going to be okay. Okay, another one of those aporias. You made mention to the character Carne, right? <laughs> he's he's indeed one of the characters, and he's viewed as sort of the muscle that the militia in the forest uses to grab children and do things in polite society. He's the, he's the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. And the tip of the spear likes boys. And I've been taught through all of the years of consuming American popular culture that people who are into same-sex relations are not generally trusted mm. at the high end of, of any administrative group or any system. Mm. And the people who prey on children are definitely not trusted. Right. And, well, there comes a moment when Tim is attempting to sell the pedophile hotel, yeah. acting like he's there to enjoy the kids. Mm-hmm. And he makes as if he's going to be drawn to this little boy that Carne also wants and gets in the way. Right. And so these two have a little chest bumping kind of thing of, you know, don't get between me and my prey kind of a deal. And Tim has to back down or blow up the whole operation. Mm-hmm. So he is allowing a child to go be victimized by the guy he's trying to bring down. Yeah. And the guy who's going to victimize this child is the one trusted to deal with polite society and run the inner workings of this cartel that right. trades humans and other things, coca and all of the rest. Yeah. Because the, the sex trafficking is, is just to the side of the drug operation. It's just something that amuses the adults. Mm-hmm. Because doesn't that amuse all adults, I guess is the message. And and do all adults just agree that the one who should be in control is messing with a little girl and that his best lieutenant is messing with a little boy and everybody around them, that's cool. Yeah. It, it defies my sense of logic. Yeah. Because yeah. even criminals have codes. Yeah, there's there's a category of crime that yeah. you're not supposed to ever perform. I, I also thought it was really weird that scene too because so they bring all these kids and you know and he makes a big deal like I need at least fifty, right? So then Carne is gonna is trying to take this little boy to debaucherize him. Good work. And, and 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 Jesus steps in and says, "No, no, He's this mine. one's mine. Yeah, choose another." 
Is he going to be so confused by having to select like a, a second choice that he's going to that the that the feds are going to show up and, and bust everybody before he has a chance to actually try to like you know consummate this relationship? Another important angle to, to reflect on because you know this is a blockbuster. That's why we chose to watch this together. Is recognizing what an efficient and good use of money it was to invest in this thing, which I think we're basically panning is is a, not a very good movie, but this was hugely successful. It cost not even $15 million to make. It earned, in the United States, nearly $185 million, and a lot abroad. It would have paid for itself with this international release, but it had such a big release in North America that we need to regard the fact that that's extraordinary. When it was up against the lights of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, The Flash, but I think the point is it was released right on the coattails of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, both of which were expected to do huge business, and both of which were yeah. hugely expensive movies. And both of them did big business, but nowhere near what was necessary to be profitable. Right. And this movie, which cost almost nothing, was, I think, largely ignored by most respectable critics, except to regard the sort of phenomenon that it is. In these times in which we live, this was a bit of a cultural flashpoint. Like, people either, like, love it or hate it. That's right. And it seems like it, it falls pretty much right down, like, red state, blue state lines. The people that like it tend to be red staters, and the people that hate it tend to be blue staters. Both sides kind of well, seem to represent can... something for each side that was not really what was going on. The, the, and they the, can talk past each other by using the same text. Right, right. Well, yeah. okay, so what, one thing, like, especially in today's politics... Children are used as the human shield for defending people's political ideology. Okay. Because protect the children. Right, right. Because because who could argue with that? Yeah. And if I'm doing something to protect the children and you're against this, well, what you're, kind of you're evil. Are evil. You? Yeah. Right. What level? So the people on the right that seem to love this think that if you did not like this movie, you are pro child sex trafficking. And I think there's also a tone to it. This is a, a man, that's helpful. White man, that's helpful who sees something wrong, and he'll fix it. I'm not going to wait on others. I'm not going to petition my government. I am going to fix right. it. I'm not withheld. I'm, I'm not restricted by having to deal with anybody else's opinion or anybody it's else's a needs or wants. Right, right. It's a like, lone I'm person gonna, can fix a right. problem. Which is exactly what sort of it seems like, uh, you know, the religious right in this country, you know, wants out of a president. This savior who's going to, like, come in and, like, all of this bureaucratic uh, nonsense in Washington is going to push it to the side, just push through part of like the Red Sea and actually get something fixed. Yeah. But then for people on the left that seem to hate this movie, they think that anybody that likes this movie is some, you know, QAnon, like Magatard, like right. Pizzagate believing moron. <laughs> As with most things, like the truth lies somewhere in the middle usually. And basically what we have is like none of those things are true. This just isn't a very good movie. Yeah. And it happened to be timed and released in, in just the right kind of circumstances. What I want to emphasize about those circumstances is this movie had been released. It was earning real money. It had already recouped its cost. And then Barbie and Oppenheimer show up. And that kind of defined what Summer 23 was all about in Barbenheimer. The fact that Barbie, Oppenheimer, and indeed Sound of Freedom made tons more money than The Flash than Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny, than Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, especially in the sort of the post-COVID kind of world yeah. in which we live, 
apparently the most successful movies are ones that are flipping a bird to this pre-existing franchise IP stuff. That's right. Okay. That they've that they've just driven to the ground. And I, but I think Hollywood should take note that maybe it's time to sort of return to more original voices. Well, this is not a good movie. It, it's just it's not a good movie. It's not. But it crystallizes a kind of an argument that I have had repeatedly over, I'd say, the last five to ten years about a lot of different cultural experiences where I can say to somebody that I'm meeting maybe for the first time, what you're talking about is not good. And to have them say, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. What's distinct about this, because we have an elevated vocabulary and a broader reach than most people because of the commitment we've made in time to the art form of movies, I can point out things that I know make this a bad movie. Mm -hmm. And I guess it all boils down mm -hmm. to the primary confederate who helps Tim do his thing is a child rapist. This is Blockbusters and Bird Walks, a conversation between Garrett Chaffin-Kirai and Ed Rosa. Boop-boopity-doo.